Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And today's uh, and today we've got a returning guest who appeared in episode 18 back in March 2019. Um, and that's Tim Libersey, who's the director and group CEO of Oriel Resources, who are an listed exploration company operating in Africa and Europe, um, focusing on early stage gold exploration in Cameroon and a more advanced Senna Al gold project in Senegal. Um, Tim's a geologist by trade and has a wealth of experience in early stage exploration and development and has made tremendous progress with L'Oreal. Um, and I'm keen to hear more about their recent success um, since we last spoke in uh, two and a half years ago now. So um, that's welcome Tim to the podcast. How are you doing, Tim? I'm very well, thanks, Rob. Yeah, good. It's been yeah. a while. It certainly has two and a half years. So um, obviously, a lot of things have happened in those two and a half years. Um, so uh, appreciate the audience if you um, can also look back at that episode, um, and then obviously, obviously after listening to this episode as well, and obviously you can compare compare how how far the company have uh, have travelled since then. Um, so Tim, appreciate if you can just give us a quick overview of yourself um, for those that people that don't know you, although I imagine a lot of people will know you. <laughs> Hopefully you know me for the right reasons. Yeah. So I'm a geologist, as you, as you say. Um, I'm uh, just over 30, well, 32 years this year uh, working in the industry. Um, I, I followed a path that, that a lot of uh, mining guys did back in the, in the 80s, which was started off on a contract in Africa. And um, I, I went over for three years and ended up staying for about 17 um, and then I moved around uh, other parts of the world, uh, primarily with um, Anglo-American and then uh, a long stint, 14 years with, with Barrick Gold. Um, I came out into the junior sector back in 2014 and initially with Reservoir Minerals, which was a very successful Canadian explorer. And uh, we, we sold Reservoir Minerals. And then uh, after that, uh, I ended up coming into to what was then Stratex International. Um, we rebranded re Stratex in 2018, just after I joined, uh, as Oriel Resources. And uh, Oriel has been focusing ever since uh, I came in and since we, we brought in a new management team and a new board, uh, we've been focusing on developing new frontiers, primarily in Cameroon, um, as well as obtaining as much value as we can from the existing, what we call the legacy assets, um, royalty positions and joint ventures and so on that we've had. Um, carried forward from from uh, Stratix International, so we're we're focused in Senegal with uh, our partners Iron Gold. We're free carried; they're investing into uh, Sonala license and doing good work there. And um, we are focused ourselves on uh, developing some some targets in Cameroon, um, various stages from grassroots up to we we had our maiden drilling at Bibimi earlier this year. So um, definitely a gold focus. Um, and uh, definitely an African focus. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to give us an um, overview of Oriel and how you've shaped the company's strategy, achievements, and focus. Um, and I suppose since um, we haven't spoken for two and a half years, uh, I suppose more concentrate on the on the last two and a half years. Sure. Well, when when um, when myself and uh, uh, our CFO Bob Smeaton, when we joined uh, Oriel back in or, or what was then Stratex back in in 2018, um, the company was uh, um, recovering from a, a bit of a, a bit of a tough year in 2017. Um, a lot of value had been knocked off uh, the the board. Um, yeah, it was it was there was some cash in the bank, but not very much. Uh, the last remaining significant asset, which the company managed itself, was at, at that stage it was called Dalafin. We've subsequently uh, relinquished and reapplied for that license. It's now called Sonala, but it's the same footprint in Senegal. That, that had just been joint ventured out to Iron Gold. So, so the company had some legacy assets in Turkey and East Africa, 
it had this fantastic license in Senegal, but the management of that was was put into the hands of Iron Gold as part of their earning on the joint venture. And so the company was really needing to um, identify what its strategy would be to, to develop and identifying where it wanted to be. So we, we had a good look around. Uh, I have a, a very um, uh, focused background in both gold and uh, base metal. So I spent a lot of time in nickel, copper, as well as uh, gold. So, uh, and we, we had a new board with a lot of gold experience from West Africa, a lot of project experience from West Africa. So it was obvious that staying in the same sort of time zone made sense, um, reduce all of the administrative burden on, on a small company by staying local to Europe and Africa. Um, and it was also obvious that as we didn't have at the time um, a great deal of cash or um, a, a significant market cap, whatever projects we needed to get involved in had to be most likely earlier stage um, stuff that we could acquire um, cheaply or, or for free um, and stuff that we could develop um, the, the early stages of exploration and hopefully exploration success um, uh, you know, in a very cost effective manner. So we, we had a look around and um, we, we settled on Cameroon quite early in the, in the debate. Um, it was an area I was aware of because Reservoir Minerals, my, my previous company that I'd, I'd been the CEO of, um, Reservoir had, had some licenses in Cameroon and they've had some gold exploration success on those licenses. Um, Cameroon itself is, uh, historically, there's, there's been little in the way of exploration and mining. Um, what mining in the gold sector there has been has, has primarily been um, alluvial dredging of, of gold from rivers in the east of the country. So we looked at the geology of the country. We did a, um, a prospectivity analysis on the country based on the fact that we knew there was some gold there. Um, and sitting as it does between the Congo Craton and the West African Craton, the, the geology of Cameroon is, is spectacularly um, uh, uh, well, well placed for multiple commodities, uh, but there's a lot of evidence of gold. So we we had a look at it. Uh, we we reviewed with the uh, the two licenses which previously had been with Reservoir Minerals, and thankfully the the Cameroonian partner was actually looking for a new partner for the for that grant. Um, it had been the licenses had been when we sold Reservoir Minerals to Nebson. Uh, Nebson had taken those licenses on, but they hadn't progressed them. And then Nebson ultimately was was in a sale process of it of its own to Zijin, based on the Serbian asset at Chikarapeki. So these these um, Cameroonian licenses were kind of orphaned off uh, back to the Cameroonian partner uh, for for they were a distraction for Nebson against their main their main prize in Serbia. So great opportunity for us. So uh, we we did a review. Um, I I didn't want to be pushing my, what could be seen as my old projects onto the new team. So we had an independent review. Um, I wasn't involved in that. We brought in uh, Bob Foster, who um, is an expert in orogenic systems. Uh, Bob had a look, and uh, along with our West African managers, Isuf and at the time Isuf Drago and uh, Abdul um, Boji, and um, they came back. With you know the news that yes it was prospective yes it was interesting yes uh, Cameroon was underexplored for these types of deposits so we moved forward quite quickly um, we progressed we did a small raise that first year uh, we progressed the exploration at the two targets Bibami and Wapuzi uh, we did quite a lot of trenching soil sampling at, at Wapuzi trenching at Bibami and basically worked up uh, some drill targets which we were hoping to start. The drilling on early last year, 2020. Now, of course, uh, we got hit with COVID as, as the world did and, and the borders closed initially. Um, so that put a bit of a delay onto our, onto our program of kicking off the drilling at Bibbamy. But we were eventually able to restart that program uh, late in 2020 and mobilize a rig in um, and start a program. We, we carried out a 3,000 meter program early this year. And, and that was really. Um, let's call it prospecting drilling. This wasn't. This wasn't. This was the first drill that had ever turned on these, these licenses. Um, this was not infilling a known resource or anything like that. This was absolutely 
uh, the first drill program in that part of, of Cameroon. And we came back targeting after targeting over eight kilometers of anomalous gold on surface from trenching and rock chipping and so on. We, we came back with over half of the drill holes intersecting gold. So uh, proving verticality to the system, proving the, the style of mineralization, the, the types of controls, uh, and really justifying that what we were seeing on surface, we could trace down to 100 meters below surface, which was as deep as we drilled at that point. Um, and we had several areas within that, uh, within the Bibami area, within the Bakasi zone at Bibami. We had several really nice targets uh, that came out of that maiden drilling. So, so Bibimi was progressed quite well, and, and that the stage of that project now is, you know, we're ready for the next phase of drilling to do some info after the rains. Um, the Wapuzi license was a little bit um, behind. We hadn't done as much trenching or any trenching initially at, at Wapuzi, so but we did a, an extensive soil sampling program, and again we got 13 kilometers of anomalous gold in the soils. So it, it was indicating, as it's directly along strike from Bibimi, just about 20 kilometers away. It's indicating that, that these two systems are, are similar. They're in the same pulse rocks associated with the same shear zones. So probably part of the same system, most likely part of the same system. And um, so we have those two licenses uh, as our, they were our sort of primary focus. Now, in the middle of all this, you know, the, the idea of going into Cameroon was to really get a footprint there. Um, it was massively underexplored, and we felt that there was great opportunity for uh, Cameroon to become a new frontier for exploration. Uh, Cameroon itself, the government has, over the last decade or so, it's been working with the World Bank funding um, to, to set up a, a prospectivity analysis of its own of the entire country as part of its economic development of the country. So they brought in uh, experts to help them write a new mining law, which was published in 2016. Um, they developed a new online portal for um, licensing, so you can review license situation, what ground is open, who's got what ground, that sort of thing, the stage of the licenses. Um, and they also had BRGM, the French uh, experts in, in this type of work in West Africa, come in and BRGM have completed a complete remapping of the entire country. They've flown airborne geophysics, um, they've done regional geochemistry, they've done dating studies, uh, petrography work. And um, that is all sort of being tied together into the final report um, to go to the government at the end of this year. So there's, the Cameroon government was obviously very keen to develop the mining sector. And we saw this as a great opportunity. We know there's gold there in systems that previously haven't been looked at. We know there's artisanal activity primarily mm -hmm. in, the, in the rivers. Um, there's, there's about 50,000 ounces of gold comes out of Cameroon each year from those dredging operations. But very little, uh, you know, a, a couple of independent uh, artisanal operations in some of the hard rock, but, but very little in the center of the country. And um, so we did our own prospectivity analysis on Cameroon back in, um, in 2019. We looked at the, the entire country. Uh, we looked at the geology, the structure, the, the age, the chemistry, historical data, and we identified and then ranked seven different target areas within the country that we felt were prospective for gold. And of those seven areas, uh, we then overlaid them onto the Cameroon licensing map to see you know, what was the situation. We were fully expecting that the, the areas that we thought were prime areas would have been staked. And much to our surprise, our priority one and two target areas were completely open. Nobody had put a single license on it. Um, so we were overjoyed uh, and immediately went out and, and put the applications in. Now, I mentioned there's a new mining law from 2016 and a new process for licensing. Um, at that stage, you know, two years ago, there hadn't been a lot of activity in that. The department was still, the, the government departments were still getting their heads around it, making sure all the, the um, supporting documentation was, was complete. So it took us um, over a year to get those licenses granted. Um, but you know, we had the patience to hang in there, to work with the ministry, um, to work with the, the uh, mining department, and uh, with a lot of support from, from actually from the British uh, High Commission out there, and also from the UK Cameroon Chamber of Business, 
which is a really good organization that really assists us in, in our work in, in investing in Cameroon. Um, and uh, we got the licenses granted earlier this year, February this year. And that's a, that's a, a really significant thing for us. It's a block of eight licenses um, in central Cameroon. It's uh, three and a half thousand, just over three and a half thousand square kilometers of contiguous licensing. And they were all granted at the same time. So we've got a full license tenure on that package. And you know, the, the licensing law is very familiar to anybody who's worked in West Africa. The new law, you know, you get three-year initial term, and then you get renewable periods of two years after that. It's all based on your work program, it's based on your spend, it's based on your progress. And there's, you know, as you renew and the licensing, you've got to relinquish percentages of ground and that sort of thing. So it's all very, very normal um, process and procedure. So, um, so we have this, this fantastic license package. We said, okay, well, let's get out there and first pass. Uh, we got the licenses granted in February. We were, we were busy with the Bibbamy drilling at the time, but we, we pulled in a second team. And we went out and did the first pass work. We, we managed to cover five of the eight licenses in a detailed uh, stream sediment sampling program. And uh, results of that are coming out this, this quarter, uh, Q3. And um, the idea being to identify from the, the small amount of known gold in that area from artisanal workings and so on, a previous uh, sampling, and the associated structural, our own uh, structural interpretation of the area, which of the river basins there have got potential for gold, which ones are showing anomalies of gold as a first pass exploration phase. And then obviously the next step will be follow up on those, those target areas, rank them, get in on the ground, do some mapping, do some soil sampling, do some geophysics. Just very um, straightforward, common sense, progressive um, exploration as you would do in, in any project around the world. The, the key thing, though, that this is a new frontier. Nobody else has been here doing this. And the potential within that massive package of ground the potential for multiple targets is really high. Um, part of our prospectivity analysis, we, we looked at all the, the systems in West Africa, the orogenic gold systems in West Africa, and we looked at the distribution of known deposits in those systems. And you know, you get a statistics is a marvelous tool if you use it properly. You get a marvelous distribution curve, typical sort of bell curve. You know, you get a you get a clustering in the middle of sort of half a million to three million ounce sort of deposits forming the peak. You get one or two outliers of really high really high tonnage, you know, 10 million ounce plus deposits. And, and then you go down to sort of smaller, uh, the lower end and, and, you know, the smoke and mirrors, 100,000 ounce and, and less. And we looked at those for the other parts of West Africa. And then we, we took that, uh, that, that typical curve shape and applied it to Cameroon and said, okay, well, let's populate it with all the known gold deposits that Cameroon has. And it's empty because nobody's worked there. You know, there's been, for whatever reasons, um, mainly around the fact that Cameroon wasn't really focused as a, as a country, wasn't focused on mining as, a, as an economic beneficiary um, for a long, long time. They were more interested in the oil and gas, which they have plentifully offshore. They have timber plantations, they have rubber plantations, they have uh, tourism. Um, you know, there's a lot going on in Cameroon, but mining just wasn't one of the pillars of the economy until this last decade. So they, they are, as a country, they're kind of playing catch up with Senegal, Mali, Burkina Faso a little bit. Um, and we saw this as an opportunity to, to be at the front of the charge uh, going into Cameroon. So, so that's what we've been doing the last couple of years. We've been, you know, spending our time out there, progressing the, the work, progressing the licensing building our relationship, some, um, establishing local subsidiary companies, um, you know, just generally doing, doing what we do well uh, and doing it, uh, you know, you, perhaps you could criticize we haven't been very, very uh, we haven't been sort of shouting it from the rooftops every week, but, you know, we're great believers in telling a story when there is stuff to tell, but there's no point saying, oh, what are you doing this week? Well, same as last week, you know. Let us get the drilling done at Bibbamy, we'll tell you about that. Let us get the licenses in central Cameroon, we'll tell you about that. Let us get the stream sediment sample results, we'll tell you about that. You know, um, we're, we're quite, uh, quite keen on, on um, under-promising and over-delivering. And, and, and I think, I think the, the shareholders 
and the investment community will see over the next uh, two quarters, especially, quite a lot more news coming out of, of Cameroon. And um, they'll also see what we're seeing, which is a lot of other companies, both juniors and mid-tiers and majors, uh, also trying to come into Cameroon, uh, which we're very happy about because we know we've already got the best piece of ground there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, certainly. Which goes on to my next question. Um, obviously, as you continue to release, uh, obviously, positive results, uh, results through, obviously, drilling, um, and obviously high, highlighting the ease of working in Cameroon. Um, what Obviously, there's a lot of, as you mentioned, there's a lot of companies entering the country um, and taking concessions. I just wonder if you can give our audience an overview of, of obviously these other companies that are coming in and how, and I suppose how will that impact impact you guys as well? Sure. Well, um, you know, the, the, the geology of Cameroon is, um, uh, it, it's a mobile belt between two big cratons. So it's, it's, a, it's a, a, an area of intense structural complication, um, a lot of deep, <clears throat> uh, deep tapping structures, lineaments going down into the crust. And um, that gives the opportunity for fluid flow, a lot of different uh, chemistry, um, different age and different chemistry of host rocks as well. So you have multiple commodities uh, available within Cameroon. Um, what we've seen in the last couple of years, uh, and more noticeably in the last uh, six months, since we our licenses were granted actually in the centre of Cameroon, We've, we've seen um, some junior companies coming in, basically uh, proximity licensing around our package, uh, following it along trend, uh, along the, the main Cholo Banyo shear zone, which is the, the main splay that we're sort of we're, we're focused on with our exploration. Um, so we've seen some junior UK and Canadian groups coming in, private com companies as well, coming in and picking up ground there. We've seen a bit of a resurgence of the local Cameroonian companies as well, picking up ground, um, presumably with the idea they'll either advance them to a certain stage themselves or they'll bring in, uh, you know, they'll make them available for partnership with, with incoming companies. Um, we have seen, quite interestingly, um, a, a large French mining multinational, Eremet, uh, come in. Eremet initially came into country a couple of years ago um, looking for rutile. They've got some big license holdings near Yoandi uh, targeting rutile. Aramet is, is predominantly a, a base and industrial minerals mining company. They have operations around the globe. But more recently, Aramet have also developed their own uh, internal exploration team uh, rather than just going down the acquisition route. I, I think a lot of large companies have done this over the last decade. You know, um, the tendency for large companies, uh, big multinationals, to you know, go and do their own exploration and then that falls out of favor because they don't have success for a year or two. So the, the shareholders push them to go into acquisition mode and they drop the exploration team and then the acquisition is getting difficult or more expensive. So they go back into grassroots exploration and, and primary exploration again. And, and it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sort of a cyclical um, approach. And you, you can follow any of the big companies. You'll see they, they wax and wane on their early stage activity they run themselves or they just go out and buy projects. And, and um, so Aramet seem to be doing that. They seem to be coming into that, okay, let's explore for ourselves. And um, they're actually, they've actually put an application in for five gold licenses in Cameroon. Uh, a long trend from us down southwest of us. Um, Cameroon has, it's, it's quite interesting geology. A lot of it's um, you know, quite old geology, but there is also what they call the central Cameroon line, volcanic line, which is much more recent. Um, so there could be a possibility for, for a much more recent uh, gold overprint in more um, typically volcanic uh, epithermal type mineralization rather than the sort of traditional orogenic stuff that we're going after. We, we have both types of geology on our central license package, um, but it seems to be that Aramet's, um, you know, closer to that central Cameroon line. So we don't know exactly what they're targeting. We, we know the guys at Aramet. They're, they're a great bunch of people and we know them uh, personally as well. So we, we, um, we catch up when we can, when we're uh, when we're in country together, and, and so on. But um, yeah, it, it it is interesting to see companies like that come in, uh, and I think the um, the next probably the next sort of significant step for, uh, for gold will be for uh, a traditional gold mining group, either mid tier or major, to come in um, either through 
you know, earning in on, on existing licenses from whoever or, you know, putting some ground in themselves. Uh, but I, you know, we, we do look at Cameroon as, as a new, uh, a new frontier, a new gold district. And um, we think the potential is there. So if you go onto the mining cadaster website, you can actually search block by block. You can see what the ownership is, um, when the applications have gone in and so on. It's not massively up to date. Our central license package hasn't been ticked as being granted yet. We have all the paperwork. Uh, it's just, you know, the administration of the, of the website's a bit behind. But it is interesting to see uh, these companies, both juniors and mid-tiers, majors coming in and recognizing that Cameroon has opportunity. There's also, you know, there's nickel, there's, um, there's, there's historical bauxite uh, deposits, there's iron ore deposits, uh, there's even diamonds in the east of Cameroon. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of opportunity, but obviously for us, uh, at the moment, commodity-specific gold focus, um, developing this new frontier in the center of the region. Yeah. Obviously, there's limited um, mining history within Cameroon. Um, how are they helping you and assisting you in moving forward? And obviously, I suppose the country as a region, how is the government getting involved? And is there a lot of lessons that they've got to learn? Um, and also local communities, how they how they receiving all this all this news of obviously companies coming in. I wonder if you can just give us an overview of that. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, the government is very supportive. Um, you know, they, they there's a realization that there's a huge amount of value from primary extractive industry, and to simply operate at um, the artisanal level or or small scale mining operational level. Um, it's quite impactful on the environment uh, and the taxation and profitability of those operations is quite small. So it, it's a lot of um, small scale employment, but, but really it's not progressing the industry uh, in the country. So the government recognized this, as I say, you know, sort of uh, 10 years ago. And this, the work they've been doing through this World Bank supported uh, program, this pre-CASM program, has really been that they, they the government themselves, the ministry themselves, identified um, that they needed to do something, and they got the funding together for it. They, they put a proposal together, they got the funding for it, and they've gone out and done it. They've, they've employed, uh, you know, real consultants, BRGM, GTK. Um, they've, they've employed the, the best groups available to, to help them develop a new mining law, to help them develop um, the prospectivity analysis, the data sets, the licensing system that you need to promote uh, new mining investment. And um, we, we had every two years, unfortunately it's been delayed, obviously because of the pandemic, but every two years there's a mining conference in, in Yaoundi called SIMEC. Uh, uh, I attended in, in, uh, in September 2019. And the SIMEC conference is an opportunity, as you would get in any country, an opportunity for mining companies and exploration companies to, to meet with the government and, and to meet with the other uh, service providers and shareholders and so on. Um, now, at the last CIMEC, um, the, the minister presented, and there was also a presentation and a booth uh, with uh, BRGM, the guys that had been doing all this data collection. Uh, so we were able to look through some of the, the stuff they'd done on the you know, big screen on the wall, look through the, the GIS databases and so on. Uh, and it's very clear that the, the, the potential is there. It's very clear that the government is, recognizes that potential. And is really working hard to, to, to encourage groups to come in uh, and invest. And you know, my discussions with, with the ministry um, have been uh, really well supported. Uh, there's a real the, the, there was a very obvious desire to understand our position. You know, we're a small company, we're a junior company, aim listed. How can we move the needle for Cameroon? You know, that's got to be a question the minister's going to ask. You know, if I if I uh, if I go in and say, listen, Oriole is going to change your your world, um, I need to be able to justify that. So we we spend a bit of time working through the the typical model for new frontier new frontiers like Cameroon, and you know, very simplistically, it, it, it goes a bit like this: you, you get a country that, for whatever reason, or a region that, what for whatever reason, has not been deeply explored recently. So that's the opportunity. And the opportunity is that perhaps previous exploration techniques have, have improved. So there's, there's, or perhaps there's new data. 
or you know, there's something that'll give you an edge in that new area. And there are many reasons why countries are, are not, um, you know, have been held back. Uh, and you know, it could be political, it could be geographical, it could be you know, economics, it could be access. You know, the melting of the Greenland ice sheets is suddenly exposing a lot of fresh rock nobody's seen before, for example. So all of a sudden, hey, guess what? Greenland's a place to go explore. Well, with Cameroon, um, the, the, the realization that, okay, the door's now open to come in. Um, and, and what typically happens is the first people through the door are companies like ours. They're junior companies. They're going in um, on a wing and a prayer, high risk, uh, but massively high reward if it, if it works out. And we're able to operate very dynamically, very quickly, um, but very much, you know, remembering our background is, is major company background. You know, I've spent a long time with some large companies. Um, I know how to do this properly because ultimately, if we are prospect generating in Cameroon, at, at some point, we're going to want to get some value from those, which may include, one of the routes to value may include selling them or javing them out. So at some point, we're going to have a very detailed legal review. We're going to have a very detailed review of our licensing procedure. We're going to have a very detailed review of our technical work. So all of those have to be squeaky clean. You know, we have to meet, we have to set the scene for ESG that a major or a mid-tier can then pick up on in the future. So, um, you know, we've, we've, we've spent that time interacting with the government. The government has now understood that Companies like ours come in and de-risk areas. So we come in and do that early first stage work. We maybe have some discoveries. That, that's great. One of the big things we do, though, is we bring attention to that region. And this is, I think, um, I think one of the things that, that Oriol has definitely done in the last two or three years has been to bring a focus in the sector onto, into Cameroon. Um, and, you know, we've been working a lot with the Cameroon Chamber of Business, the UK Cameroon Chamber of Business, and with the British High Commission on this, um, really trying to, to, to flag that Cameroon is open for business. And guys, it's massively prospective. There's great opportunity here. And then as, as more and more juniors come in and as the projects get more and more de-risked and as you identify new targets, that's typically when the mid-tiers and the majors kind of wake up and go, okay, well... We've seen all this activity, and it would appear that you are able to operate there. Um, you are able to get licenses granted, perfectly above board. Uh, you're able to get staff. You're able to operate safely in the environment. You're able to get access to the ground. Um, you can get your samples out for analysis. You know everything is working fine. You've set up subsidiary companies. You set up local local bank accounts. You've got a payroll system running. Okay, you you've proven to us that this is. This works now. And, and then that's when the mid-tiers and the majors kind of wake up and say, okay, well, either we want to JV in or we want to buy a company out or we want to get our own ground or whatever it happens to be. And um, so this is a process which, you know, we, we've been through this with the ministry explaining that just because the first movers coming in are small companies, that's not a negative thing. That's actually a positive thing because we are going to de-risk it and you'll see people come behind us. And that's exactly what's happened. You know, Aramets come in looking for gold. Now, two years ago, they, were, they had retail licenses. They're a base metals company. They do not mine gold anywhere in the world. All of a sudden, they're looking for gold. That is on the back of the fact that we highlighted the prospectivity for gold in that country, and they were already operating in Cameroon for retail. And they had a new exploration group that kind of put two and two together and said, hang on a minute, guys, there's a real opportunity here that Oriol has identified. You know, let's let's see if we can also benefit from it. So, so the government understands that, and they understand the route to value for the developing mining sector, um, and they offer a lot of support, just basically by by delivering on what is in the is in the regulation. You know, we say, listen, we need to submit a certain report at a certain time. We need to have um, the boundaries of our license officially um, identified and pegged. And okay, well, we'll send out the, the local regional uh, mining guy to help you do that. We'll record everything with you. We'll submit all the paperwork. You know, they're, they're just working like a normal um, administrative function would be in a government to support what we're doing. Um, the the 
local communities, I mean, we employ predominantly from Cameroon. We, we have a West African manager, Abdul Mboji, who's from Senegal. And we have one specialist, um, core logging, experienced core logging geologist, uh, also from Senegal. The rest of the team, uh, both senior geologists uh, right through to, to our field hands, uh, are all locally sourced, uh, either through our partner, BEIG3, uh, which is actually, uh, Emmanuel runs a, a geological um, logistics and, and geological consulting group. So he has his own teams that, that he can lend to us or loan to us. Um, or by identifying skills locally. And again, with the UK um, Cameroon Chamber of Business, you know, there's a lot of UK-based uh, Cameroonian graduates or, or students. Uh, we're, we're currently working with some of the universities in Cameroon and some of the universities in the UK to assist in tying up some master's theses. We've employed some Cameroonian students already, some of uh, uh, work and that sort of thing. So we are... We're getting a really good uh, link in with the communities in which we're working. Uh, we always try to hire as much staff as we can in the local area, obviously. That, that's one of the, the prerequisites uh, of any good governance is to get in there and meet with the local people, understand what their needs are, understand what they are looking for, not what we think they need, but what do they feel, you know, what do the local communities feel is missing from their lives that, that our presence can help them with. Um, and and we've we've had great support uh, from them. You know, we've been operating uh, predominantly initially up at Bibami and Mapuzi, quite remote, quite close to the Chad border, uh, on the east of the country, um, a long way south from from any of the the issues uh, up near Lake Chad. Um, but those communities have been great. You know, and we've we've got artisanal miners on our properties, small scale. You know, five guys and, and a wheelbarrow kind of thing, and um, we'll go out. On the field visit out into the bush, and you know they'll be there cracking the rocks, and we'll say, "Hi guys, do you mind if we have a look? Have you found anything? What have you got?" Oh yeah, yeah, look, you know this is some gold we got out this morning. Um, no antagonism at all. Um, you know the the small scale mining industry in Africa is something that every country has to develop its own way of managing, and the best way to to develop a good small scale mining. Uh, industry is to engage with these people um, and engage with them early on so you can understand because there is always space. You know, if the entire Cameroon gold output is 50,000 ounces a year from, from all the alluvial, alluvial dredging. Um, you know, we have nearly 4,000 square kilometers in total between all our licenses. I find it highly unlikely that we're going to feel threatened by a few small artisanal like activities on our license. What's more likely is we're going to want to work with those people to make sure what they're doing is safe, uh, environmentally not damaging, and, and gives the best benefit to the local communities. Meanwhile, we'd like to discover and develop you know, much larger mines, <laughs> which ultimately would give a lot more value back to the country. Um, but yeah, it, it's all about talking to these people. I mean, I've been doing this 32 years, and I've, I've I've worked for some large companies. I've worked for small companies. I've, I've not been the type of person that sits in head office. I've always been out on the project, always. And um, it, to me, you, the first step in, in ESG, the, the latest buzzword, is, is just what 30 years ago was common sense. You go out and you talk to the local people, understand what, what bugs them, what annoys them. You know, if somebody pitched up at in my garden and started digging a hole for a geochemical sample, didn't tell me about it, I'd probably be chasing them away as well. So, you know, but if somebody knocks on my door and says, hey, you know, we're in the area, we've got a license over here, we'd like to take the sample, do you mind if, you know, it's, it's just about treating people like human beings. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. there's no rocket science to this, it's really simple. Yeah. Um, from the results that you are receiving from the exploration um, programs, is the geology comparable to other mineral regions within West Africa and obviously neighboring countries as well? It is, yeah. It, it's, I mean, we're looking probably a little bit younger, more sort of near Proterozoic uh, age. But the, the key thing, when, when you're trying to look for these, um, these target areas, um, you're looking for the, the right kind of host rocks, both chemistry and, and competency. Um, and we have that. We have these granites and tonalites 
and we also have the mafix and the volcanics. Um, you're looking for deep structures that can can give you a site for a lot of fluid flow. We've got that. The Cholobano shear zone is massive. It's a wide shear corridor. Um, it's associated, it's splayed off the, the main central Cameroon shear zones. A lot of structural activity. You're looking for multiple phases of, of action on those shear zones. So activation and reactivation of the shear zones and the, and the fault structures. We've got plenty of evidence of that. Um, you're looking for evidence of fluid flow itself. So alteration um, and metamorphism. And we get, we've got the right grade metamorphism. We've got the right types of alteration. And ultimately, you're looking for evidence of mineralization. And we've got artisanal miners taking out gold on our licenses. So, <laughs> plus, we've got historical regional scale stream sediment sampling that shows gold in, in anomalies. Plus, we've got you know, scientific papers from, from way back when. So every box is ticked from a prospectivity. You know, what, what is it? Is it like the systems we see in West Africa? Is it greenstone terrain? Yes. Is it Mafix and Felsix intercalated structurally complex? Yes. Do you get multiple phases of structure that give you opportunity for compression and relaxation and creating structural traps for fluid flow? Yes. Do you get the right kind of alteration? Yes. Um, do you get evidence there's gold? Yes. The only thing we don't have is we don't have the existence on our licenses of multi-million ounce known gold resources. Um, and that is, we, we contend that that's simply because they haven't been found yet, because nobody's been exploring them. Um, you know, the gold exploration has been off in the rivers in the east of the country, basically downstream from the orogenic systems that we're exploring for. So that, that's the only box that hasn't been ticked. And, um, you know, we, we, our intention is to change that. <laughs> We're going to yeah. take that box. And that, that's, that's the work programs that we have in place to, to do just that. Yeah. Um, so what are the next steps for, for licenses in uh, Cameroon? Um, and what milestones are you actually working towards? Well, we've we've got um, so if we if we let, let's look at uh, maybe the, the the immediate sort of short term now uh, you know this quarter and then and then sort of the next twelve to eighteen months um, we've had the results from the Bibimi drilling the first phase um, so we've identified in in this eight kilometer strike length we've identified we, we've broken it up into four prospects. And we've identified within each one of those prospects, we've identified the potential for orogenic gold. Uh, we've seen it on surface, we've seen it down hole. So we've got, we've got numerous, a number of specific target areas which require infill and more exploration drilling. The drill rig is on site. Uh, it's capital drilling of, of kindly uh, just parked it up in our camp over the, over the rainy season. So as soon as the rains abate, which is usually September time, um, the only thing we need to mobilize is the driller. Uh, everything else is there. Uh, we can, and it's a track-mounted rig, so we can mobilize pretty quickly and start an infill drill program. So we've been planning that. Um, phased program, obviously start with what were the best targets from our last piece of work. We did quite a lot of structural interpretation. We, we, did, we oriented all the downfold core. Um, and we've done surface mapping of structure as well, because structure is a key thing to try and find these areas of more volume, uh, the, these areas of, of, ex, uh, of extension where you get volumetric potential for volumetric growth. Um, so we've, we've got a, a multi-phase drill program um, plan, schedule, and budget put together for kicking off at Vibami. Um, Wapuzi, just a long strike from it. We've, we did a couple of trenches. We've got the, the targets from the trenching. We've got the targets from the soil sampling. We'll probably do a bit more trenching work up there just to firm up some targets. And at some stage, the, the rig, uh, you know, we would hope to have some targets available for the rig to move over that. Um, so we're busy a bit of trenching and follow-up work, uh, Bibami drilling, you know, September onwards. That, that's the, the short-term plan. Um, in the central license package, we have received... Um, word that the, the 
analysis are starting to come back, or they will be coming back rather, um, during August. So we, we submitted samples from the, the first five licenses, which we took stream sediment samples for. We've submitted most of those samples, not all of them. There's a batch or two still outstanding. So we've got, we're going to have gold analyses and multi-element. Now, we haven't started to get the multi-element back yet. The gold will be starting to come in in, in the very near future. Um, so we'll review that data and uh, we'll put that out to the market, you know, hopefully start putting that out to the market during August. And when the rains abate in the center of Cameroon, we'll obviously restart the sampling program on the existing three licenses that we haven't covered yet. Um, we were able to do five licenses between uh, in three months, basically, um, stream sediment sampling. So another three licenses. We should have those sampled before Christmas and the sample submitted. So by early next year, we should know all of the locations of all of the anomalies in that central license package. And we may already have started to progress to access some of them with some mapping. Um, we may have done some geophysics uh, and some geochemistry on, on some of those as well by, uh, by um, you know, during this next season. Uh, I, by by the, the rainy season is typically slows us down or stops us from about May, June through to about September. Um, so from this September to sort of May, June next year is, is our main activity series season. So we'll progress those. Um, so we'll have, you know, projects at different phases. We've got the Bibimi projects, which is, is drilling, uh, exploration drilling. We've got Wapuzi, which is sort of defining drill targets. Then we've got the central license package, which is defining the anomalism and taking the first steps towards some mapping, some soil sampling, some geophysics, uh, maybe even some infill streams if, if we've got any confusion over the location of some of these anomalies. Um, we'll also look at the multi-element data from the central license package. Uh, it could be that there are other commodities um, associated with the geology there that we that, that might be worth looking at, uh, other than just gold. Um, and, and you know, for, as far as Cameroon's concerned, that that's about it. We've we've recently consolidated our position on our partners. We were earning into our partners' licenses. We've uh, we've met the commitment for the ninety percent ownership there, so. We've got a little bit of administration on the paperwork there, but we have evidence of uh, you know agreement of beneficial ownership. So we're ninety percent on owners on all of the ground in Cameroon. <coughs> um, we have an Oriel uh, subsidiary company already. We may, you know, you, you can only have five licenses under any single company in Cameroon. So depending on how things are progressing, we might consider forming another subsidiary company. We might pick up more ground, or we might look at. Um, other licenses. We've already already been approached by people with ground that would like us to um, to get involved on their licenses. So we're considering that. Um, and then in parallel, obviously, we're still we've got Senegal uh, motoring ahead. Um, you know, there's, there's been diamond drilling and RC drilling on two of the five prospects within the Sonala license by IM Gold. Uh, we should have results coming out for those. <coughs> um, Pretty soon as well. Um, the Fari targets in the north, that's potentially uh, offers an opportunity for a, a standalone uh, resource and a standalone development. So, if there's enough data there, we might be in a position to start looking at doing some resource work on it. Medina Bafe in the south is a potential satellite for the Boto Mine Development Project. So, again, depending on what comes out of there, it may be something that, that I'm going to work up into a um, additional feed for Boto. So quite a lot going on in Senegal, but um, obviously we're free carried there. So, you know, at this stage, we just, we get the reports in each month. We have a, a quick chat with uh, with Zach, the exploration manager there, and, and with the team in, in Senegal and, and uh, Craig back in in Toronto. And, um, you know, they're charging on to, to meet their year four spend commitment before February next year. And then they'll take a decision whether to spend another four million or whether to, to stay at that at that uh, scale. So quite a lot happening there. And then in the background, all sorts of administration. Uh, we've got loads of value tied up in assets in Turkey. Um, some royalties, some stage payments. Um, our Turkish team is still self-funding and they're able to manage all that. But a lot of administration, particularly Bob, uh, our CFO, 
uh, you know, it's money. Um, so I've, I've uh, very kindly uh, left that on his desk, <laughs> primarily. To do. Um, but Bob's, Bob's, uh, you know, he's, he's really well, um, really well stuck into that. He's got a good understanding of the stuff over there and uh, moving that forward. And then, you know, Claire and myself are just continuing to look at other other opportunities. Um, you know, not only progressing Cameroon, but keeping our eyes open for other jurisdictions that might have similar opportunities uh, that, that we could benefit from. Um, you know, we have still some ownership of some licenses in Egypt and Djibouti that are being managed by two private companies developing those. So we've still got a foothold in there. Um, so it's always interesting to see Egypt's quite a hot place at the moment. There seems to be some new licensing rounds going on and people moving in. So, you know, we have um, a partner out there. We own 24, 25%, I think, maybe more uh, at this stage of, um, of the licenses out there. So they're being progressed uh, along with the Djibouti stuff. So, you know, just monitoring the, the legacy value in the company, which really... Sonata kind of underpins the value, the market cap. Everything else is, you know, it's 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 just jam. Um, and Cameroon is obviously the potential for a real transition. You know, if we have positive results from central licenses, if we have positive, continued positive results from Bibami, um, then we could really be turning a corner uh, for Cameroon and for Oriel. And depending on what comes out of Sonata as well, Great opportunity there for potential resource development. So, um, a lot of a lot of near-term uh, value steps, uh, which which Oriel and obviously Oriel shareholders could could benefit from. Yeah, um, just going back to uh, Senegal and obviously Sonalia project, where um, obviously I am Gold is earning into the project. Um, what value do you see I am Gold bringing to to the project and to yourselves? Um, and what milestones do you expect to to reach? I suppose in the near near term. Well, the, you know the the key thing, if we go back to when the when the joint venture was signed um, in in March March 2018, literally the day I joined the company, they, they'd been negotiating it for about six months, and they they signed the final agreement the day I joined. Um, at that stage, uh, the company, our company, was. Um, Financially quite constrained, the gold price wasn't huge. Um, it, it was quite a challenging time. So to to bring in a partner like Iron Gold on an eight million dollar earning was a real coup. Um, Iron Gold obviously has its own West African mining operations, <clears throat> and the whole uh, concept behind the Sonala license, or as then was the the Dalafin license, was looking for additional um, targets close to its own known deposits, primarily Boto in, in the south. Um, the Medina Barfe and the Sarudia targets, two targets on our ground, are within 10 to 15 kilometers of Boto mine development projects. So, you know, they're continuing to put money into Boto. They've not officially said they're developing it yet, but they're, they're spending about 60 million this year. And the initial CapEx estimate was only 260 million. So, to me, it sounds like a bit of a soft pill, you know. Um, there's a lot of money going into that that, that part of Africa by Iron Gold. Um, and then obviously other targets like Faray in the north, which is a bit further away, it's about 50 Ks away, but has the potential for standalone resource. And there's been other activity in that area. We we believe there's a, a, a possibly a sort of a controlling structure in the Faray area that, that trends across corridor. Uh, structure that trends across to Chester Resources down the Sud targets, uh, and we think there's an association of, of structural association there. Um, so these areas, you know, there's a lot of activity there, whether it's to supplement Boto or whether it's for a standalone deposit. Um, so Iron Gold have been able to come in with a with a very professional, uh, very skilled exploration team, and importantly with cash, which we didn't have three years ago when we signed the deal, um, to fund this exploration and progress this exploration. And, um, you know, they've been, they've been very diligent in doing that. Um, we perhaps would have done things in a different order or, you know, we would, have, we would have tried to advance other things, you know, first rather than, you know, perhaps we would have chased the far A target before this year. But, of course, to 
to iron gold, the Boto Medina Barfe target and Suridi target was more important to Boto, which was what they already had. So it was sensible for them to develop exploration projects on those first and then to go to Faure. So we completely understand this, the, the um, scheduling that they've carried out their exploration. Would we have done it differently? Yeah, we probably would, but we're a totally different company. I mean, obviously, we would have done it to suit our, to benefit what we thought would be our uh, best sort of shot at it. But um, I'm told uh, they, they're going to reach their 51% earning position by uh, the anniversary date next in, in February next year, the end of February next year. And at that stage, they have the option to stay at 51%, um, which is, you know, that's their option. It's a, it's a, a one-off chance for them to expand up to 70%. And so the work they're doing this year, I think, is really giving them a sense of, okay, well, how much potential is there in this license? Do we want to take our position to 70% or not? Um, if they want to go to 70%, they've got to spend an additional $4 million over two years. So it's, it's a shortened period and twice the spend in that period. So it was $4 million over four years. Now it's going to be $4 million over two years um, to go from zero to 51 and then obviously 51 to 70 so we'll obviously retain a minority position, even if they do decide to go to 70%. But we would expect that to be quite an aggressive program if they want to spend $4 million over two years. Um, so what is success for us in, in Senegal? Well, obviously, anything at Medina Barfay or Saudia that could potentially be satellite feed or additional feed to Boto. Um, there's a couple of million ounces at Boto. So you don't need a large resource at, at, on our license. It, you know, you could find a pit with 100 or 200 or 300,000 ounces, and it could still be economic to mine. So that's a real positive for, for us in seeing value from the southern end of our license. We don't, you know, Iron Gold doesn't need to define 2 million ounces at Medina Barfay for us to see some value from it. Um, so obviously, we'll, we'll see progress on that. They've done two-thirds of, of an RC program this year on that target. They've got a third outstanding waiting for the range to, to go and they'll restart it. We should be seeing results from those RC holes coming in. Uh, there's some diamond drilling there as well, a couple of diamond holes uh, to give them some geological uh, stratigraphic context. We'll see results from those as well. Up at Fare, uh, again, they drilled a couple of diamond holes based on the target that we'd already drilled. Um, so we'll get the results from those. That'll either confirm or, or support or not support the, the sort of shell, the grade shell that, that we had identified from our drilling. And then, the, again, they've done resource drilling up at far right. Now, there's, there's three pods of anomalism along a six-and-a-half-kilometer strike. Um, the diamond drilling has been on the center pod, which is more the, where all the historical work was done, the historical drilling was done. But there's still a pod to the north and a pod to the south, which are both getting RC drilling as well. So potential not only to beef up what we know in the center, where we think there's something that'll hang together, but also to give additional uh, potential resources from the south, what they call the far a far south target and the far a north target. So you know you could end up that that to us is the potential there is is perhaps one large central pit with satellite pits north and south along trend within a six kilometer um, strip. Um, so a lot of results from there due in literally this quarter, like you know, during August, September at the latest, I would guess. Um, and then you know what 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 their decision is come February next year, whether they want to expand their position or stay at 51%. And then we'll sit down and as we do every year. At the anniversary date, we sit down, we meet with them, and we go through the work plan, the budget, the proposals, and uh, you know, agree on a way forward for the next 12 months. Yeah. Um, and as a conclusion, just wonder what the outlook is for the rest of the year and going into next year for both uh, in Cameroon and Senegal, and what challenges you may have to overcome moving forward. Uh, well, Senegal... Um, you know we're free carried there, so so the challenges in Senegal are, are really quite limited. Um, it, it's literally just get the results out and um, see whether the targets that we think are there are hanging together in any way, um, and and you know letting the market 
updating the market on what's happening. So Senegal is, is pretty easy. You can get a part of that. That's, that's a done deal. Um, and we, we fully expect to see some value out of Senegal. Um, Cameroon, I, I guess challenges are obviously restarting after the rainy season. Um, hoping that our early success at Bibami is going to be backed up with our, from, from our infill drug programs. Hoping that our structural interpretations, which we've done with the aid of some, some experts from SRK, are, are good. And you know, we're, geology is all about testing a hypothesis. So we, you know, we have a hypothesis, we've got to test it. So fingers crossed for, for Bibami and, and Wapuzi as well. Central licenses, identifying those, uh, those anomalies, um, both gold and potentially other commodities, and then progressing that. Obviously, we've got, we've got quite a bit of work to do. Thankfully, they're, they're quite cheap programs. Um, you know, at Bibami, the rig's already there. We don't need to mobilize anything. Just fly a guy in to, to run it. Um, the central license programs are very cheap work. Uh, the early stage stream sediments and mapping and so on is, is pretty cheap work. We've got cash in the bank. Um, we've got access to additional funding from assets, our legacy assets. And um, we also have a, uh, uh, we've, we've received quite a lot of cash this year on uh, some warrants from our last raise. And we have a, a trigger um, if, the, if the share price is right, we have a trigger uh, where we can force exercise of warrants. That's not something we would, we would desperately look to do. We'd, we'd rather people just exercise them at their own time. But you know, if we need cash, we've got various avenues to cash. Um, so we've money in the bank. We can start all these programs. We can get things running uh, on the back of good results. And um, you know, hopefully we'll see the market start to recognize what some of the other mining companies are already recognizing, and that is that Cameroon is a good place to be. And also recognizing that as first movers in a new frontier, Oriel Resources has got a really strong foothold in Cameroon. We've got the prime ground, and we're having success already on, on all of our grounds. So, uh, or you know, the ground that we're getting results back from, it, it's all of it is encouraging. So, so we certainly seem to have, um, you know, we we bet on the right color for Cameroon. Uh, when the roulette wheel span, and um, it's justifying all the hard work and the, the, all of the technical work that goes behind this, you know, months and months of review and data gathering and data interpretation and discussion and identification, uh, identification of target areas and so on. Nobody sees all that. That was all done 2018, 2019, and then obviously through COVID, we've been, we've been sort of sitting on Zoom talking to each other about it. But um, what, what we hope they will see is, is a uh, you know, a steady stream of, of good news stories coming out from Cameroon and Senegal over the next uh, six to six to eighteen months. Yeah, um, Tim, really appreciate your time. It's such an exciting. Well, obviously, you've given us a, a, a brilliant overview of Cameroon, and there seems so much, so much potential there. And it's like you're opening a brand new book um, where there's hardly anything there, and you're just you're just coming up with all these discoveries and. There's such, there's so much potential. So, um, like, obviously, wish you, wish you well in the future. If our audience wants to reach out to you, if they've got any questions, um, how can they go about doing that? So we have uh, obviously we have a website, um, and there is uh, there's the two ways they can do it. First of all, I would encourage uh, anybody either invested or thinking of investing, I would encourage them to go onto the website and sign up for our news releases. Um, it because of GDPR, we can't put people on that list. You've got to put yourself on that list. Um, but that'll, that'll make sure you'll be kept up to speed with all of our latest information, our latest updates of corporate presentations, news releases, that sort of thing. Um, there is also on the website uh, an opportunity to submit an email to uh, info at, at uh, Oriel. And uh, that comes straight through to, um, to us. I mean, we, we're a very small team. Um, you know, so uh, the, the, the office in the UK uh, has really only got uh, sort of a handful, literally a handful of people in it, me included. So, um, you know, any, any approach through the website will come directly to us. And if it's a topic that we are able to talk about and engage on, we obviously will be glad to. Um, people do have to realize a lot of the questions that we're typically asked, the stuff that's not in the public domain, so we can't share it with you. 
um, you know, when is your next batch of results announcement going to come out? Well, I can't tell you that. <laughs> um, but I can say that we, you know, we've we've said we're going to put releases out over Q3. Uh, we've said we're going to have some feedback, hopefully during August, some some uh, notifications of, of uh, results from some of the programs. So, you know, that's as much as I can tell tell you. But uh, feel free to throw questions at us. If we can answer them, we will. Um, and uh, yeah, just just keep watching the story develop. And uh, we, we hope that uh, for the benefit of all of our team, all of our shareholders and investors and the mining industry in Cameroon and the people in Cameroon, that uh, we're able to turn Cameroon into the success story that we believe it, it should be and will be um, in the coming years. Yeah. So, uh, thank you, Tim, again. Um, and I encourage all the listeners as well to, to reach out. Reach out to Tim if you've got any questions. Um, and also share this podcast among other people in the industry, um, especially, obviously, other people working in um, mid-tier mining companies and, and other, other people that are actually working in Africa as well. Because I think it's a, I think it's a, a great story, and I'll certainly be uh, following, uh, following your success uh, moving forward and perhaps coming on to the podcast again either later this year, beginning of, part, uh, beginning of next year. Um, and obviously give us an update on the on the results so um yeah really appreciate your t uh, time tim and um yeah an audience appreciate if you can continue sharing this uh, episode thanks very much no worries and until next time appreciate you guys uh, all the support and, and like i said until next time happy mining thank you for listening remember to reach out to rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review until next time Happy Mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.